Welcome to the Weekly Notebook Review. I am Robert McGrorty. This podcast takes on a bit of a different format where we are live each week on Twitter Spaces. I crack open my notebook and review Hedgeye research with anyone who wants to learn a better way to invest. We feature both Hedgeye power users as well as some special guests that might pop in. If you want to learn more about our research, visit Hedgeye.com. If you'd like to participate in the live stream, follow me on Twitter at HedgeyeRJM. Now, let's review the data. Welcome, everybody, to another episode of the Weekly Notebook Review, brought to you live from uh, Hedgeye HQ. I got McGough just rolling into the office after some meetings. Um, yeah, so this is, uh, is going to be a fun one, guys. We got, uh, we got the Muni guy coming in. He said uh, he's got a few things to update everybody on. He spoke to, uh, I think it was the Piper desk, maybe, uh, Brian. Was that right? Is that what I saw? He's on, he's on mute right now. Unmute yourself, Brian. Sorry, I didn't hear what you said. I no, was sorry. in the no, I said, transition said, into the thing. Was it the, was it the Piper desk that you spoke with today? Is that right? Yeah, I did, actually. Yeah, perfect. Awesome, man. Yeah, so we'll get an update from uh, the kind of bond market, the muni, muni bond market to be specific. And obviously going to go through our usual, which is the you know what's jumping out of the page today. It was certainly uh, one to... To me, it was just kind of a data act, um, and you certainly saw it from Coach. And, yeah, I mean, you guys were kind of blowing me up on Twitter, tagging me all over the place. I was in meetings. I was just kind of – then I got back to my desk, and I just sort of looked at the screens. And, man, it was uh, pretty interesting because the lows on the day on the on the VIX, the SPX, the CompQ, Vixen, Russell, RVX, um, yeah, they certainly didn't didn't really hold right so you know hopefully everybody you know can analyze what they did at those levels um and kind of you know what they were feeling or not feeling and then um you know it's more specifically kind of what 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 did what did you do when when they backed off off the those kind of lows of the day right so i think that's that's the big question to me right now is is sort of you know how are you how are you executing um are you kind of doing the work to um take the right notes or sort of just feel comfortable with your process and and if you're not quite comfortable yet it's you know you always have to be comfortable with the uncomfortable but if you're not quite comfortable then you know doing a little bit of extra prep work or just uh you know some trial and error i guess is is one thing but certainly you know trend you've talked about this in terms of um using a journal um a trade journal at the end of the day to kind of assess what 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 you've uh you know what you know what you were quote unquote seeing or, or sort of maybe even how you felt we've, we've had a conversation there as well and, and, and dr geo on investing summit you know he, he was on on a couple of weeks ago with, with with keith mccullough and you know give a rundown as to kind of you know the the psychology of things as well so it definitely all plays a factor and obviously the dollar move today was one um that was uh you know not really i wouldn't say aggressive but certainly you know broke down through the bottom end of the risk range. And, and, and I suspect that's probably what most everyone wants to talk about is sort of the, the dollar move and, and that kind of thing. Um, but again, it's, it's, you know, the Keith was very clear with his last um, RTA I, there going into kind of the close, I think it was around the quarter to quarter to four or what have you. But, you know, he basically mentioned that, you know, if you're going to be hunting for shorts out there, you know, hunt for things that are inversely correlated to both the dollar and rates. Um, so, you know, he, he had uh, specifically mentioned kind of, uh, yeah. So, so I think that that's, that's really where, where I'm at um, today. I think, you know, again, it was, you know, there's obviously some very large kind of 
counter trend moves, but at the end of the day and, and not to kind of, you know, completely parrot, uh, you know, coach here, but, you know, in the early look this morning, you know, the, he mentioned, or he wrote the quad four profit recession is just getting started. And I think that's really just kind of, you know, a big thing to remember is where are we in the cycle? How many, you know, more quad fours are on the horizon, according to the now cast at hedge eye is the best around. I mean, it's the guiding light for, you know, certainly, you know, myself when I was not here and uh, or wasn't hadn't joined the team yet, but remains the guiding light for me in terms of portfolio allocation and and where where to go. Um, so again, you know, I think just taking a step back, if you need a de- deep breath, have a deep breath, um, assess your process, where you are, and and kind of uh, you know just I think today was certainly did execute on the fringes, right? Um, and 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 yeah. So I don't know if. Uh, if, if trend, if you had anything else to kind of mention on that in terms of uh, what you're seeing in, in regards to setups per se or, or, or that kind of thing. But yes. Yes. I would like to add uh, setups on the, especially the rate side, it's uh, getting closer toward the, towards the lower end of the spring and you can get some interesting uh, setup for further pounding on it. But, other than rates, uh, I think I want to talk about some of the straight and easy trades. For example, we've had this situation with Europe for a while and uh, within our entire uh, Agile nation as well as from Agile team, we have received so many indicators about, hey, Europe is not going to do well, microwaves, uh, based upon certain leading indicators, based upon the process. And I want to draw everyone's attention towards that. Uh, typically, in these kind of bear market rallies, it's very common to see, especially some of the weakest uh, balance sheet nations, to jump the most. So take your attention to Austria, take your attention to Italy, to Germany. Some of these, when they bounce a little bit, um, you can take advantage of that situation. Uh, and I know for folks who are long only, it might be a bit counterintuitive because usually there's a buy-the-dip mindset. And for that, I know some folks um, talked about uh, using inverse ETFs. Now, every country doesn't have an inverse ETF, right? So you might want to take your uh, uh, attention primarily in some of the relatively easier shorts. Tech uh, <clears throat> was another set of easy shorts. We saw what happened with Meta today. Uh, the EPS just bombed. Uh, some of their investors are trying to become investors and less stress and then to reduce that count by 20%. Uh, we saw what happened at Microsoft yesterday. Um, Amazon is lined up tomorrow. We'll see how that, that is handy. But amongst the fine stocks, which are bearing majority of uh, rather large portion of the market cap, they're getting hammered. <clears throat> now, what has been jumping for the last two to three days as... Uh, Rob was alluding to, uh, if you notice, some of the worst balance sheets were climbing up the highest, uh, partly because of the, either the oversold condition or the short covering kind of condition. But on what basis? You know, results are not coming out right. Some of the best players, especially the ones in tech uh, from a growth standpoint, resilience standpoint, are getting hammered or being shot. So I think that the rally which is coming up in uh, companies that need junk-rated debt or high-yield debt, uh, separate items, by the way, uh, 
you might want to target them. So those jumped out at me uh, because some of them were having 7, 8, 9, 10, 15, 20% rally. Uh, definitely go after those, create a process uh, to manage volatility because some of these are extremely volatile. So you might want to position size according to uh, your risk appetite on the volatility. Uh, outside of that, I think your is getting set up really well. I, I'm going to wait till 102, 103 uh, for reinitiating the short. This election of new prime minister actually doesn't mean that their economic woes are completely gone. They still face a massive quad four situation. Um, and uh, in Asia, one standout uh, which has been for me personally, uh, for my portfolio, has been. Uh, India. I have tried putting a few ETFs here uh, in the US for India, but it's showing somewhat of a resilience from a standpoint of the dollar denominated part of India. But I'm going to keep pressing those shorts, uh, sizing them up uh, whenever it rallies more and then uh, covering as it goes down. This is less of a micro short, more of a short based upon the dollar run on their currency. Um, because there's a massive demand and their currency is hitting all time lows. So that's all from my end. Rob, back to you. Yeah, thanks, Trend. Yeah, and, and <clears throat> again, just, just to kind of piece it all together from, from uh, you know, many of you listening in who are Head Drive subscribers and, and for those that aren't, you know, um, you can certainly uh, get free trials at hedgehog.com, et cetera, et cetera. But, you know, in terms of piecing it all together, Trend, I mean, if you just went down the list of, you know, the risk range, the trend risk range, which is really kind of the three month or more, right? So if you go, which is published via the ETF Pro, if you go down that list, I mean, there was a, a slew of them that were, you know, basically right at the top end of the range and, and or through them. Now, again, you have to assess, and I've said this many times, right, uh, Trend and Jimmy and, and, and Muni Guy, that, you know, those obviously levels shift as the VIX shifts and with a kind of you know, VIX that was uh, a little bit below the bottom of the rain, range that down kind of around what was it 20 I don't know where it closed 27 something um, 27 27 um, you know those top ends of the curve you know top ends of the ranges excuse me are, are going to kind of expand a, a, a little bit but um, at the same time you know those are core positions that you know, Keith and the team here and, and his signal in particular, you know, considers, you know, some of the top, you know, short opportunities within this quad, these quad environment and the environment that we're in. Uh, conversely, on the long side, too, as well, right? So if you have the Macro Pro subscription, you know exactly what he did with UUP, KMLM, um, you know, and, and the list kind of goes on and on there. But, uh, but yeah, so it's, it's, it's very, you know, to me, it was a very interesting kind of just, it was just a, it was a day to act really at the end of the day. And, and, you know, who knows probably in as, as the uh, quad four environment and the, the profit recession starts to sink in again in Q4, it's uh, it's likely going to be a different, different uh, um, environment and, and one where I think if, you know, to, you know, we position today and maybe we'll keep kind of, maybe this is a bear market balance, but it's sort of like, you know, so have some bullets in your in, in your belt in order to uh, make sure that you're kind of averaging in or sizing in appropriately. And again, I think that's just, you know, doing all those things, which is all part of the process. If anybody has any questions about that or needs a reminder as to kind of, you know, you know how that works or what that should look like, uh, by all means, come up to, to, to speak and, and, um, and ask the questions. We're, we're here to help. This is what this is all about. It's about not only kind of 
helping folks in the process, but also kind of understanding kind of the setup that that, that we're seeing moving forward and, and getting, um, you know, positioned for not just tomorrow, uh, because we're, you know, we're not necessarily day traders, uh, but, you know, getting set up for next week and the week after that and the month after that. And for, you know, Q1 of 23 to 23, et cetera, et cetera. So just wanted to kind of reiterate that. Um, Jimmy, I see you're and I do there. want to add about. Yeah, go ahead, John. Sorry, sorry. Um, I'll, I'll be quick. So from a standpoint of uh, consumer discretionary, some of the specific names are held up really well. And these names are the ones which I'm trying to accumulate three months, four months out, put verticals on. Uh, so be it Lulu, be it Tesla, be it a few other names. I think I've uh, traded these names in the past, especially when Tesla was at 900 or Lulu was at 330. Uh, I think these uh, names have much further downsides, uh, even from current levels, even though they corrected. So I would definitely encourage folks to not only look at these prime marketing names, but when you go down the list and some of these names for the sub $5 billion market cap kind of companies or sub $3 billion market cap companies, the, the alpha you're going to gain is pretty significant, but it also comes with the volatility. So you'd have to uh, manage your position appropriately and also follow the signal appropriately. Yeah, completely. And uh, unfortunately, I got CMB, or not unfortunately, I guess it's it's fortunate that it's on mute, but I'm seeing earnings alert going across the CNBC screen right now with Josh Brown t t telling me all about Teladoc and uh, that it's up after hours. So, you know, you can do with that what you what you wish. But, um, you know, to me, that's a, uh, we know where Tom Tobin uh, sits on that one. And, and uh, you know, he will have the update tomorrow, I'm sure, on the call. But, um Anyway, yeah, so just, Jimmy, I know you've been up, uh, and welcome everybody else who, who's uh, come up to, to speak and, and to share. Uh, I'm going to pass it off to the Muni guy, uh, Brian, if you don't mind, uh, just to get kind of a bit of an update in, in terms of what you're seeing in, in the rates market and and that kind of thing, especially with uh, with the recent move and, and certainly how Coach is positioning um, and, the, and the higher lows that we certainly saw in the two-year today. Uh, it was actually pretty pretty interesting to see the – the 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 exact number as the uh, at the top end of the range on the ten year and the low end of the range on the two year uh, certainly that was something that jumped out of my notebook this morning so again always kind of I'm, I'm always trying to point out things that I'm highlighting and stuff like that and and I know many of you this morning saw saw me scribbling down things uh, in the background there behind the screen of of the macro show so that was uh, that was a lot of fun uh, um, for, for me personally today. Uh, yeah, Robert. Um, I was actually the one that put in the question today about uh, rates and uh, 30 some odd consecutive um, lower highs on the uh, 10 year uh, U.S. Treasury as I've been doing some uh, some work with some other hedge on nation guys on uh, trying to and gals trying to figure out um, you know the process to to watch these rates and to figure out the uh, you know path to the turn using the using the hedge eye process. Um, but before I hit that, um, just, a, a PSA, uh, PSA, uh, Robert will get a kick out of this. So we'll trend. Um, uh, it's, uh, uh, S Q Q Q it's three times leveraged if anyone didn't know that. So if you decided to sell out at a position and take that money and put it in S Q Q Q, you have three times the notional amount. And, uh, I did that yesterday. Uh, just before the close, <laughs> and I sent a message to Trent and said, Hey, did I do this right? And he 
pointed out that I had a quarter of a million dollars of exposure. <laughs> so I think I texted you, Robert, about it too. So um, it was you a did. win. It was a win, but you uh, did, you did. It was, it was uh, an what, adrenaline. There was some adrenaline running through the Muni guy yesterday. Um, <laughs> it was uh, that was I, fun. Yeah, that was fun. Old vanilla, right? It's, uh, no, no. Nah. Totally. You had a little uh, juice on. You had a little juice on going in the after, after. I did. I did. Well, when Keith puts on Microsoft and XLK and, you know, short cues, I know that uh, I've, I've been around 11 months now, so I know what that means. So I went all in. So. <laughs> but um, I got five little uh, quick tidbits here. Um, yeah, let's do it. Uh, underwriter market color, yield supply, um, hedge eye community um, wanting to uh, talk about a process for the turn and then a deal alert. Um, so I called, um, called one of the major, uh, underwriters, uh, desk today. And one of the underwriters that I work with a lot, just kind of getting some color on what we're seeing because muni rates are getting just smoked here. And, um, they said that Tuesday was a good day that they had, you know, steady market was pretty steady. And then today it just got really soft. The MMD came out another round of cuts and, um, um what they're, what they're seeing is that issuers are trying to beat the next Fed meeting. So we've got like all this supply coming right now. And on top of that, they got fund outflows, which 20 years and out. So 21, 22, all the way to 30 years, those maturities are very, very difficult for them to get done. Anything inside of 20, they're getting decent action on. Um, and the actions coming from, uh, SMA accounts, which is separately managed accounts, and funds are active, rotating their inventory in that one to 20 year space. So kind of the long ends where they're having difficulty, but they're still getting deals done um, in that you know 20 year and in space. And then when funds want to sell blocks, it's called the bid wanted. And they're actually starting to see it lessen a little bit right now, which makes a little bit of sense. So kind of right as of today, overall, they said it's a buyer's market until supply decreases. And so that takes me to point number two, which is supply. And this is me putting my um, financial advisor hat on for municipalities. And that's, you know, we're starting to slow as we get closer to holidays in, in November. So in November, we've got Thanksgiving. Nobody really does deals around Thanksgiving because no one wants to be long bonds. Then you get into December, so you kind of get the less number of trading days in a week to bring deals to market. December is usually slow, and then January is the slowest month of the year. So we may see a little bit of firmness in the market as we continue to march forward towards um, decelerating volume. In terms of yields, um, the MMD, which I've talked about before, comes out uh, every day, and there's reads during the day. I do tweet out periodically when I see big moves. Um, they've been getting cut daily, which means yields go up. And uh, I've got two ETFs that I use as a proxy um, just on NAV. One is a non-levered fund called MMIN. Uh, year to date, it hit a low today, hit a low today uh, 22.55 for a loss year to date of 17.8%. And then a leveraged fund, the ticker is MAV, and uh, it hit 739 today for a year-to-date low and a year-to-date loss of 35.3%. And I've made a lot of comments about how I've been staying away from leverage with the rate increases on funds. And so the difference in those two numbers on year-to-date loss is about two-time correlation. So 
the leverage is about double the uh, the beta. Um, <clears throat> then for uh, uh, in particular, I want to shout out to Turtle Capital for um, for speaking with me on the phone. We talked for a while about rates and using the hedge eye process to to watch rates. So I did a back test of fifty three days of the risk range. Um, I've uh, I've sent it to Robert. So if anyone actually pays for the data and you want to see my work, I don't care if Robert shares my work. But if you uh, don't pay for the risk ranges, then you shouldn't see the risk ranges. Uh, but over a fifty three day period of the risk range. Only four out of 53 days did the low end of the 10-year U.S. Treasury actually move down. And it was only on a one-day basis. It immediately reverted. So we've had um, 49 days out of 53 where the risk range on the low end side has been moving upward. And when you also put it side by side with the move index, which the move index, you can get it on Yahoo Finance, wherever you want to get it. You see that on January 13th, we had the low of the year of 77.57. But today, even though the, we've had three consecutive days of the move index, move index moving lower, it's still at 147.78. So, you know, kind of in that two times territory. So when you think of bond volatility, like you would think of VIX, and you combine it with the risk range, I'm not seeing a... You know, we may see some fluctuation between the 10-year risk range itself, but I'm not seeing the turn in rates from my perspective and my quote-unquote process until the, the risk ranges start showing lower lows and the move index starts coming down. Um, so that is my process. I'm monitoring treasury yields, and um, I'm happy to talk to folks about it offline as, the, as, they, um, as they'd like. And then lastly, just kind of on a deal alert um, learning opportunity, I told you all that I've had a deal that I was going to bring to market. I actually just posted it um, and did a tweet on it, and I did a hashtag muni deal. So if you just, um, over the next week, you just do a hashtag muni deal. Um, it's $25 million, uh, Edgefield County, South Carolina. It's for detention center. It's an A-plus rating. Um, the POS link's out there for the prospectus. We'll price next Thursday. Raymond James is the underwriter. And then we're working on the selling group, so we're probably going to add Fidelity. Uh, the priority orders will be retail first. And I don't, I'm not bringing this up because I want anybody on this to actually buy a bond. What I want you to do or want the opportunity to be for you to get as far as I could place an order for this bond. So you understand the process for when you decide that it's appropriate for you to buy a municipal bond. You know how to do it at the best price and in the primary market. So I'm going to do like a little bit of um, an educational series as I do this deal and bring it to market. Um, and there'll be a hashtag muni deal. And I did a check there. The last time someone hashtag muni deal was like in 2020. So it will be the only thing that comes up. And uh, so between today and next Thursday, um, there should be some activity on that, but purely education only purely for retail to understand the process in which you go through to buy a bond in the primary market, not, not advice, not trying to get you or anybody to buy this bond, um, purely just an opportunity to learn. And with that, Robert, I will pass it back to you. That's awesome, Brian. Did you ever think that you'd be hashtagging about muni bonds uh, on Twitter uh, two years ago? 
No, no. You know, <laughs> I, I think when I was growing up one day, I woke up and said, hey, I'm going to be a muni geek. Yeah, be, yeah. But also, Robert, I also didn't think that I was going to have 246,000 of notional exposure on Triple Q last night. <laughs> so, so you want to talk about it. sometimes you can be the smartest kid in the class and sometimes you can be the dumbest. <laughs> so I'll leave yeah, it at that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's a good opportunity to make sure you understand to size appropriately uh, for each position. You know, beta adjust. We talk about it all the time. Beta adjust yep, and, yep. and understand when, when something's 3X or 1X, uh, you know, correlated or, or leveraged. Um, yeah, we got uh, so Chris has joined us here from from over in the UK. Um, obviously, a lot's been going on, uh, you know, overseas. So, you know, Chris, we really don't do narratives, and, and I know you don't really care about politics, but um, the 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 pound certainly had. A, you know, maybe maybe I'll just toss it to you for a little bit of FX color, um, if that's if that if you're up for that. Yeah, cool. Can you hear me? Yeah, buddy. Welcome. Always a pleasure. I was going to say, don't ask me anything about what's going on because I haven't got a fucking clue. <laughs> no, I, I know I, I know you well enough to know better. Uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm throwing you a softball into your wheelhouse, which is the FX yeah. market. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> so the big move, well, I guess everyone's obviously panicking about the dollar, but so the big moves kind of came in Asia. So the Chinese yuan, the Korean one, um, the yen again. Um, yeah, so I guess it's kind of coming from that side. I know, I guess this is the narrative that it's the Chinese Party Congress, the Communist Party Congress, and everything else is going on and whatever else. I've got no idea. All I know is that over the last couple of days, I haven't really posted them for a while, but all of my dashboards have lit up in like yesterday and today. Um, for a long time, I just wasn't doing anything. There's just no trades to do whatsoever, um, at least for how I view it. Um, but yeah, they've all kind of... <laughs> I was on a call with someone yesterday, and I joked that the weird guy from Independence Day in Area 51, where he's kind of like joking that, oh, in the last few days, all the little lights have turned on. Um, that's kind of what it's like today. So all over the place, really, the wall... The pound, the euro, um, shorts have all come up. Um, the Aussie dollar came up just before the close. Um, yeah, so it's just kind of seeing what, what the dollar's going to do from here. Um, who knows, right? I don't really know. That's the, that's the point. It's just... Yeah, no. no the the signal just stick. says... And I guess it's it's good. It feels good when all of my signals start doing stuff at the same time as Keith's. <laughs> so For sure. it's, it's, it's always rewarding. Cold. It's always rewarding cold. when that happens. I think I spoke to you on Monday or yeah, I think it was Monday and, and it was, uh, you know, the big takeaways over the weekend, you know, lined up with Keith's for me on Monday. And I was like, fuck yeah. You know, <laughs> so at least, yeah. So if it doesn't, if it, so if it doesn't work, if it doesn't work, it's Keith's fault. It it's, it's Chris Moore's. It, uh... it was all me. All me. <laughs> exactly. Awesome. Well, if anybody's got any questions in kind of FX land, uh, by all means, jump up to speak. And and you know, we've got a, a pretty pretty strong, um, uh, very knowledgeable person. In turn, and, and Chris has been doing that a long time. But uh, you know, Jimmy uh, or Carpe, did you have? I uh, saw you kind of unmuted. Was there something you want to talk about on on the FX side? Yeah, I mean. 
on the risk ranges, I mean, the thing is we, we've been stopped out, I mean, not stopped out, but I mean, if gone on the top and over for the euro, the pound and others. Mm-hmm. So how do you manage this? I mean, it's, I look to other things, of course, because uh, um, normally you should be fully loaded if you overpass that limit. Well, so yeah, Jimmy, uh, get your hand raised. You want to kind of tackle that one and I can add some color as well? What's up, Robert? I don't know. Um, I was going to go back to to the other stuff and I've got a little FX, but I'll I'll let you or someone else take that question. I'm not well versed on the currency side. No worries. Yeah. I think the point, so the point, the point with the risk ranges is, um, I joke. So obviously the risk ranges is completely math, right? But real life is you have to pay attention to what's going on around you. And I always joke that I wouldn't start shorting something while everybody on the macro show queue and all of Hedge Nation Twitter is all high-fiving and back-slapping, like, yeah, this is fucking awesome and let's all just short everything. You could start to see it of like Monday and Tuesday that people were starting to like, fuck, I'm running, I'm running out of bullets. It's not the case, but what I'm saying is how do you handle this? How do you handle it? I'm looking looking also on overbought, oversold and, and, and some ranges and other things. Additionally, of course, but the thing is, if you're just changing the ranges every day, uh, it's like uh, you cannot hunt because this math are based on on actual volatility. But if volatility changes, then changes. It's like so. I've made so I've made videos in the past where it's it doesn't always they don't always they don't always cross over. But UUP is a short is a long in ETF Pro, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. so you can so you can combine so you can combine the range, the weekly range that you get in ETF Pro with the risk range. And it's all about probability, right? Because the dollar so UUP could be at the low end, sorry, could be somewhere in the middle of the weekly range and at the bottom of the daily range. So no, it's okay. So on a daily basis it's still at a higher probability place for you to go long but it's still somewhere in the middle of the weekly range. So like when I, when I made reference to my signals, they combine both, right? So when I said that I've been sat on my hands for the last few weeks is because yes, there's been triggers on daily ranges, but nothing's come at the longer at the, on the longer time frame. So the time when I go, the time when I make my biggest moves are when things like, so say, the time where you'll get the biggest bang for your buck, to use a terrible term, is when you're at the top of the daily risk range and you're at the top of the weekly ETF Pro risk range. Because then that's when you're going to start to get, and that's when you'll start to hear Keith saying more often, oh, there's, you know, 10 to 1 downside in the range. It's because those two things have coincided. 
Yeah, and then on top of that too, Carpe, right? So, you know, if you go back and you look at where the FX ball, which again, I'm going to assume that you have the macro show and the macro show deck that gets published every morning. You know, I don't have the updated number yet. Um, I haven't gotten it from Richie, but, you know, um, that number as of this morning, the FX ball, the global currency volatility, right? The JP Morgan global FX volatility, that last price as of this morning was 12 spot one two so one two spot one two on a week over week basis that's down as of this morning that's minus 43 bips lower week over week so that was as of tuesday morning tuesday morning so if you think about where we closed on fx ball on friday which really which that's influencing the uup trend level risk range that you would get from etf pro that's at that was at a 12 spot eight six as of friday right and so that was up 20 basis points week over week and 155 basis points month over month. Um, so again, noticing those things and, and understanding that that FX vol is going to be a driver as to the price, you know, so it's price volume volatility, right? So the volatility is going to influence where the risk range is. So again, to Chris's point, the trade range, right? At one, at, at one, you know, this morning was 110 spot 42 on the U S dollar on the Dixie. Um, you know, depending on how that FX vol uh, was moving today, you know, that could that, that, that likely drifted significantly lower. Um, and then on top of that, that's going to move the trend level or the trend kind of the, the you know, the, the weekly range, which is what Chris was talking to, which is really the trend range. Um, it's it would be moving that lower as well. So everything kind of obviously everything's very dynamic, you know, that that and, and which is why I'm comfortable sharing that risk range to low end on the dollar today, because it's it, it absolutely as soon as the market opened, it shifted. Right. It's a very dynamic thing. So um, I, I think, you know, your your point is very it's 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 challenging when when the risk range, you know, when volatility moves, when the risk range moves uh, or sorry, when the price moves below the risk range that you get in the morning. But I think understanding and having those pieces of the puzzle or the tools in your toolbox to assess, right, uh, to assess where we are or kind of what's volatility doing, what's price doing, what's volume doing, you know, that will allow you to be better set up to execute and to feel very comfortable in executing in that moment in time. Now, I think what I, I will also say there is, you know, what we're seeing in currency volatility in, in, in the moves on the day-to-day along with the VIX Vixen, RVX, you know, those are all very much quad four uh, indicators. So, again, you're seeing all these things, these moves, you know, these big moves, up moves, drastic moves, both up and down. Um, those are quad four indicators. And therefore, you know, it should, again, reiterate kind of, again, not a unique conviction, but just reiterate that what you're seeing on the screen is lining up with back tested data Um and correlates then with like the nowcast model, which is quad force, right? So all of that kind of pivots and all goes together. Does that make sense? Yeah, it's like thinking we are working in a Bollinger, Bollinger Bands. Yeah, I mean, yes, to a degree, yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, it's, listen, it's never just one thing, and that's like why this game's hard. But in this dollar, we have a huge risk because, because I mean, the bond market is is having a problem of liquidity. They are trying to stop that. And probably, I mean, this move on the dollar was all over. So probably they realize the dollar is, 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 is pushing this. So at one stage, there's going to be a completely change on the dollar there. But at the same time, though, you know, it, it remains, you know, bullish 
you know, I, it might might not be bullish trade anymore. I don't know at that level, but you know, uh, given how Keith McCullough was talking and the RTAs and the coaching notes that were being that he put out going into the close, you know, I, this signal that those, that indication told me that the signal was maintaining its bullish trend, right? And therefore, nothing had nothing had changed as of today or going into the close. No, so, no, of course. Again, uh, I think. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's like TLT. TLT has made an island, mm-hmm. and is a potential pattern of change of 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 of, uh, of um, trend. It's a potential. You don't know, but it's a potential change. Yeah. So I, I I'm lucky enough now to have that trade and trend level, um, and I'm on the ten year. I'll just say the U.S. ten year now. I got that from Keith over the weekend and. Uh, we're not close to that um, on the 10-year, U.S. 10-year. So just keep that. I'm not going to share what it is because it's not uh, my duty. But um, I'll just give you that little nugget that is not close. So <laughs> it, just is still very much, it is still very much bullish trade and trend. Just be conscious as well that if you're using the DXY, it's massively obviously skewed to the euro. So it's, I think it's like 57% in the DXY. And the euro's kind of breaking. The euro's breaking out against the Asian currencies, so yeah, you just have to be. You just have to be conscious that everything doesn't move in a straight line, right? No, that's clear. What, that's clear. The only thing on, on the euro, you have to take into account that the euro was created by the negative um, trade balance of Europe against uh, the rest of the world, and this was due of high energy prices. Right now, with a huge, with a lot of ships waiting, the spot price isn't even on negative. These have not yet passed to the to the to the in the industry. But I mean, it could happen. It could happen that we bought too much gas, and it could happen that prices could keep going down. And this will make better. Indeed, I mean, DAX has done better than 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 S and P on the last days, if you can see. And I think it was mainly by you by the energy case. Hey, hey, Robert. Um, yeah, welcome. Thanks. Um, just one thing. It's kind of tactical. Um, we haven't really touched on it yet, but um, to kind of piggyback off using the risk ranges and how close they are to the trend ranges, it also depends on your position sizing, right? Really? So we're talking about you know, how much risk do you take and what happens if the single changes, you know, there are times where the RTA will come and I'll look at it based on my signals and say, well, like he says, 25 to 50 basis points. And that's all I'm comfortable doing. You know, when we get an early look that says short the cues, I may be bumping it up to like putting in a hundred basis points. And I think kind of to cover to your point, you know, if you're looking at it saying, well, I'm feeling like there's too much risk, then don't go all in, start out small and go 25 to 50 basis points like Keith always points out. And tomorrow, yeah, the risk range might be higher. Well, then that's another 25 to 50 basis points. And kind of set your limit as to where you're willing to go. And you know, maybe your stop is, I don't know, 5 10% above. And when you get there, you exit. But again, it's all probability and it shifts all the time. But that way, you know, if you keep your position size smaller, you give yourself some room for error. And, you know, I think if you want to, reference Bollinger Bands, that's kind of the way you would use those as well. Um, but that was it, just kind of more tactical. Thanks. Very well said and very good point. 
Um, hey, Robert. Yeah, Jimmy. I just wanted to maybe maybe finish up the conversation on the dollar a little bit. So I, I started adding back to UP yesterday. And, um, you know, I, I think a lot of you guys have made the same points. But when you look across the, the space and you see these similar sets, some things at the top end of the range, some things at the low end of the range, some things getting close to the trend. You know, we, we were close to the shark line on some of these things. And that the real move is, you know, what's the tail on the dollar? Now, compared to early October, when it was really oversold, you know, right before it ripped back up higher, um, you know, the, the VIX kind of bottomed out at 28-ish. And really for the last month, there's been such a strong inverse correlation with all risk assets to the dollar, to, to VIX. And so, you know, the last couple of days, you know, we, we, you know, the VIX broke 30. It was in the 28s. Today's in the 27s. I don't know that it goes lower, um, but I give myself a little bit more room on the dollar here. Um, I'm not sure what the tail duration line is. You know, when you look at um, the August level, some of you guys mentioned the, the Dixie itself is a lot more trade weighted to the euro. So there's some other things to it. But like, um, you know, the, the UUP was a lot lower. You know, I think Dixie was at 105 ish. Um, I'm not saying we get there, uh, but it's interesting to see the similar sets between the dollar now. Um, you know, even high yield. You look at the trade and trend levels. If you guys have the ETF Pro Plus. And then you see the, the the weekly risk ranges. They're all kind of there. So um, this is definitely a spot. I don't know that we go all in here, um, but definitely it's, you know, I still feel good about that. And I haven't really been in the dollar that much just because there's been so many other inverse correlations. Um, but it, it's a spot to, you know, you can give yourself a stop loss, um, but it's something to think about. But there's like a lot of other things going on at the same time, right? That that we can talk about. No, so Jimmy, that's a great so like that HYG, right? So um, for those that didn't understand, if I said that quickly, that would be Hotel Yankee. Uh, what's G again? Uh, golf Hotel Yankee Golf. Uh, so that would be, you know, the top end of the risk range today on the daily was above the trend range from that was published over the weekend. It came out Monday morning. Um, so that, that is, but, but it's conversely, the low end of the range is, you know, pretty well below the, the, the low end of the range today. So again, watching that, watching what the daily range does towards that trend. And again, as I said, the volatility within kind of that complex in regards to the OAS, right? The high yield OAS, um, what did that do last couple? I have that written down. Um, you know, that's kind of, you know, that's down slightly. It's really, basically hasn't done anything. So it'll be interesting. You know, it's down two bips week over week as of this morning. Um, so we'll be interesting to see kind of what that, what that, uh, you know, comes out with, in, you know, overnight in the morning. Um, but again, like that could on the trend range kind of drive things higher. So, uh, you know, just be cognizant. And when you're looking at things week over week, you know, analyze what that ETF pro look like, that trend look like. Um, that trend range, what it was last week, right? Week over week, month over month. Those are the two things that I do every Monday is I look at the ETF Pro 
risk ranges on a you know week over week basis to see what's putting in a higher high or higher low or conversely lower low lower high or is the range compressing right so is volatility coming out of that space that's kind of one takeaway if you're getting a, a lower high but a higher low that means kind of volatility is kind of coming out of that um you know what does that look like on a week over week basis and a month over month basis and and kind of assess kind of that that's one area where you can give a bit of signal strength um, and kind of get an assessment as to some of the better signals would be things on the long side or putting in a higher low and a higher high uh, on the conversely on the short side it would be kind of a, a lower high and a lower low. Um, so again, that's where the especially on the ETF pro product on the risk range there because that's the trend line. Those are the trend levels. So if that's kind of trending lower, trending higher, those those signals are going to be stronger. Um, so yeah, so I know. Uh, sorry, MMC is that macro mind cap? And I saw you had your hand uh, raised, yeah. and, then, and then Jimmy came in. So I'll um, yeah, floor's yours, my man. Yeah, uh, thank you uh, for for doing these. Uh, this is fantastic, and oh, absolutely. to hear to hear everybody's ideas as it relates to uh, the daily, the weeklies, and the similar sets, and giving us different ways to think about our own process, I think is helpful. So uh, thank you for doing that. One of the observations I had today was when Keith was talking, uh, he had talked about, well, listen, if growth and inflation come in hotter, then we're right back to, you know, being happy that we bought the dollar at this level. So um, I kind of agree with that. You know, it's a really good observation by him that he kind of pointed that out. Like, hey, listen, if GDP comes in stronger, like we have it in their forecast, or if inflation comes out because energy prices have gone back up or what have you, next thing you know, the similar sets that we're seeing as it relates to volatility, you know, at the lower part of the range and, you know, the dollar at the lower part of the range, you know, certainly would make sense as far as putting more risk on. Um, <clears throat> the one thing that I think, you know, to answer some of the questions, and I don't, this is an observation and a question. When we talk about the, the range and the lower end moving up, so I've noticed during bear market rallies, the lower end of the range sometimes will move up. It doesn't necessarily mean it's a trend, obviously, but it, it moves up. And so I would assume as the band, if you will, you know, starts to positively slope, there's a potential there that we get more overbought, for example, uh, or more oversold on certain things as it relates to the dollar um, and, and what we're talking about as it relates to the dollar. So when we get that positive slope, and I guess this would be a question for you or Keith, is does that mean that not that we're going to break out to a different trend, but that there's a possibility that he's got to be more perfect, if you will, on you know, making the suggestion to get long of dollars in a bigger way um, than if the, the, the slope was positive or negatively sloped. Yeah. Chris, do you want to allude to some of the math without getting into the nitty gritty? Uh, well, I can only, talk about, sort of... I can only talk about how I do it. <laughs> Yeah, no, exactly. But in terms of just how the volatility impacts. So in terms of the low end, the low, the, the way I do it, so if you've seen the this, this slides that I share, um, the low end will be moving up. Well, the range will be compressing because volatility is falling. Right. But not, on, but not only that is, again, for me, is the, the past prices are moving out of the look-back period for that for that volatility. So when you're calculating for something like a trend and you're using three months or more and 
then you're obviously using far more daily moves to calculate your vol. Whereas if you're doing it for one month or well, three weeks or less, as those past days fall out, so if we look at the S&P, as like the days fall out of your look back period, like starting from like the 13th of September, all those big red down days, they'll all be falling out of your look back. Therefore, volatility will be compressing, moving the low end of the range up higher. Right. Just because the period that your volatility measure will be looking at, whatever it is, the last, the last 20 days, the last 30 days, the last 40 days, whatever it is you're using, you're losing all of those big red horrible days where vol was going up. Perfect. Yeah, that's a super important point, right? A month ago, the markets were puking and uh, we were in a different regime. But some of that, as it rolls <clears> off <throat> on the trade dura duration, you know, if you're looking just at the Dixie, you're saying, hey, it's got lower highs and lower lows for a little bit. Um, but in quad four, I'm still sticking with the dollar. Yeah, yeah. And someone someone posted a really cool little gif like with a sideways rocket flying um, <laughs> which perfectly denotes that everything's just gone sideways right yeah the last the last 20 days exactly and again i mean i will say you know we just it's been basically a day within the chop bucket, right? I mean, um, where we closed inside the, in, in, uh, you know, below the F bucket, AKA under 29. And, and, you know, so again, I think it's, you know, one day does not make a trade or trend, you know? Uh, but yes, I think it's a really important call out MMC in terms of, you know, and I've talked about this a lot on here in terms of the, you know, look back windows, right? And how, you know, assessing or being cognizant and aware of what pricing, you know, in terms of, again, in, in this environment, you know, the machine does a lot of, of the trading, right? And, and we know that it's like slide two, I think, or three on, on like every presentation from Hedgeye um, in terms of the dynamics of, of the fund, of fund flows. And so the machine, you know, it's, it's important to understand how the machine is thinking. And that's a key component there in terms of, you know, it's going to, you know, especially trend following systems, right? It's going to just kind of really press on that and uh, to, to in, in both directions. And, and when you're in a quad four environment with elevated volatility um, across the board, you're going to see that across asset classes. And, and, and again, I mean, you just, it's, yeah, <laughs> like you've got elevated volatility and high yield uh, equities, you know, the move index, uh, FX currencies, you know what I mean? It's like across the board, it's everywhere which really just reiterates the quad four. Um, Jared, you jumped up. Was there something? Um... Welcome. Yeah, Robert. Friend. Yeah, Robert. Thanks. That's, thanks again. That's, that's, and uh, absolutely. Buddy. Yeah. Thanks again. And congrats. Um, Thank just you. Just wanted to briefly uh, jump on here. I mean, Keith was complimentary of this group last week versus what he gets in the macro show. I got to be honest. This sounds like more of the macro show, uh, panic and puking this week, which might be an indicator that the rest of the week might be going well. But, um, you know, if Hedgeye Nation and, and this subset of Hedgeye Nation is is questioning the process here this week, ima just imagine what those outside of this process are doing, you know, and just reminding everybody that's who we're betting against here. These people panicking, covering, puking, 
And my conviction is higher now because we know we're in Jared, I think we may have lost you. You still there? Yeah, I think we lost him really quickly. Okay. Jared, we'll come back to you. Um, Wasim, you've been on here patiently, kind of uh, asked to speak. Was there anything on your mind? Otherwise, we can – oh, Gavin's coming in. Hello? Hi, Wasim. Hey, what's up, guys? I'm doing okay, well. I just had, just had a quick question. Yeah. So on the macro show – he said that uh, he went, he was back short coming into today, 25%. Specifically on Qs, he was 6%. Apple, he was 3%. I always thought that was his max long. And I, I always thought that, I always thought, uh, he, you know, his shorts were half half of that. So I thought he went 3% uh, on equities and then, like I think it was two percent on uh, short side on single stocks. Am I wrong on that, or is that? No, it's so again. I mean, the, he beta just he, he. I mean, the short answer is he beta adjusts everything, right? So, um, and and uh, and certainly yes. So that's kind of the short answer is that he, he'll beta adjust things, and then but you did not hear that you 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 heard that correctly. I mean, typically what he has said in the past is basically is a two to one ratio of, of whatever your max long is to, to, to uh, shorts. Right. So if 6% is your max long, 3% would be your max short kind of position. Um, but again, I think, you know, he certainly beta adjusts and uh, it's not the first time I've heard him say cues um, were at 6%. He, he mentioned that earlier this year as well. So um, again, I think maybe cues and, and IWM might be kind of, or certainly Q's might be a bit unique. Same with Apple uh, in terms of its its beta and that kind of thing. So I think the short answer is it's beta adjusted, and that's kind of his comfortable max position for uh, for those uh, securities. Gotcha. Okay, that yeah, makes yeah yeah. But but your framework is general is basically is correct though, right? In terms of it's a it's a two to one ratio. So again, if if your whatever your your max long is, you you, you divide that, and you, you kind of that should be your max kind of. Uh, Short and then and concurrently concur or what is that? In addition to sort of like if it's you know your mids and and, and mins kind of same thing right. So if it's six four two on the long side, it would be three two one on the short side. Yeah, exactly. Okay, yeah, yeah, I, yeah. you know what? I, I thought he was probably beta adjusting. To be honest, I just wasn't sure. If I'd yeah, no, it's a good question. Else. I just wanted to make yeah, sure. That's question. all. Yeah, but, absolutely. Uh, yeah, thank you, Rob, and yeah, congrats uh, on the new position too. Oh. I appreciate that very much. It's it's been a lot of fun. As I kind of uh, tweeted out at the close, we had a content meeting today at noon, and uh, there's a pretty cool lineup coming up, guys. So guys and girls and everybody listening in. So it's going to be a lot of fun. Um, I'm 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 quite excited about what that what that's going to. Yeah, I'm just quite excited to kind of deliver even more um, stuff for everybody, and and it's 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 going to be really cool. The Gavin, welcome. Uh, welcome up. Thanks for joining. What's going on, on, guys? We're well. We are well. You guys are good? So is my grandma. We had to go get her hip checked out today. So, oh, Good, man. Good to hear that. Things are good, yeah. Yep. That's good. Or, yeah, I'm very glad to hear that. And that, that everything's... It can be a scare. Yeah. How old is yep. she? She is uh, 97. Or, no, I'm yeah. sorry, 90, 98. 
Wow, yep. good for her. Yeah, she's uh, she's pretty tough. So this so, is uh, yes, yeah, Gavin. I mean, how, interesting uh, day. Yeah, it's. Um, I don't know if you're. I don't know if you're driving or whatnot, but um, yeah. How again? We've been pretty relatively even keel, though. You know, a few questions around kind of the risk ranges and, and sort of going, um, well, going below them in terms of the dollar or above them in terms of other other components. But um, yeah, man, anything? How are I don't, I don't want to be like, how are you feeling? But, but what, what, what were you seeing or, or how are you uh, positioning things going into, you know, back half of the week and, and, and next month and stuff? Yeah, well, I'm this is uh, this has kind of been like it's been, you know, kind of quiet for me in October. And since the end of September, it's been it's been kind of quiet. And uh, so now I see what I you know see, which I thought would be setting up. Um, you, you always get another shot, you know, and then you kind of sense when people start to think that they're never going to get another shot. And if you're smart about it, you know that you will. That's how markets work. So just kind of sit and wait patiently. And so you see, you can see like the emotional intelligence of people starting to shift and that gets me, um, that gets me interested. So I fired some shots today, small, but you know, current. Simulated. I'm actually going through a tunnel, so you guys might have just lost me. I don't know. Now I'm back out. Um, but, uh, yeah, I'm looking at this whole counter trend move setting up, and you don't know how long it's going to last. It could last, you know, four days. It could last, um, you know, four weeks. And uh, so the way I'm going to do it is kind of start off with currencies, the least volatile, even though they are more volatile than historically speaking. But I'm going to start there. I'm going to start in, um, almost did it today, but probably short bonds at some point or, you know, whatever you're doing. Uh, and then I'll save equities for last if I get there, you know, and if I don't, I'll have plenty to work with. And I mean, it's all one trade anyway, right? So if you're buying the dollar today, you're probably equities anyway. Um, so yeah, we'll just yeah. kind of keep it steady yeah, through, I mean, through here and you, you, yeah, go ahead, man. You always bring such a great perspective, bud. And, and, and no, I think you just bring such a great perspective. And, and again, it's something that I haven't spoken to, but I, it, it's funny because uh, I was I was executing in the exact same manner, right? Going FX first. That was the first thing I did after the after the macro show, right? It was coming out. I was actually kind of surprised as uh, Keith didn't hit the button on, on, on Europe on FXE uh, because that to me was, was set up perfectly. Now, again, in, in hindsight, um, I got stopped out and then I had to re-enter. So maybe I am just a fucking idiot and, and Keith and I should just, you know, follow Keith. Uh, but, but no, but like the F, you're, I think you're exactly, you know, I was looking at things exactly the same way, whether it was uh, going, starting with FX, going to kind of the, the, the bond market or the fixed income side, whether it was shorting high yield um and and even uh, gold you know i thought was was interesting it was interesting I d it didn't quite get to the top end of the range which is why i held off um but copper on the other side and, and i know keith hit the button on that one you know that was uh again it's got a little bit more beta on it from the commodity side but you know that that was something that certainly stood out to me as well right so i think kind of again you know mentioned i think jared uh maybe jared no um i forget who it was um sorry somebody earlier meant, um, mentioned about kind of having your bullets and sort of incrementally adding to positions. And I think that's really critical again, especially in, in, 
big bear market, you know, bounces when you got, you know, elevated volatility. Yeah, for sure. And, you know, it's just like you always say, Robert, it's now, but I mean, he's very good at like sniping uh, trades. And I, I openly admit that I'm not like, that's not what I do, you know? So I mm-hmm. see, I see all those moves. I just don't, I don't do it well. It's just not, that's just not my style. So like that copper trade or whatever yeah. you just mentioned, like, yeah, like, of course, like, I see that. Um, I just tend to do things a little different and it's all within the same kind of approach though. Same process. I'm, you know, I basically just like, I find things to, to make me not push buttons during the day. Like today I was trying to see how long I could hold 70 pounds above my head while watching the VIX, you know, like I was just like standing there with some weights and I was like, I'm not doing anything right now. I did my dollar trade. I did, I shorted some euros. I was looking at the yen. And then I was just like, no, I'm not. I'm and, that's not doing how, and that's how you, and that's how you got Zen, right? You're, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like right. what I did there, like what I did there. Right. Uh, yeah. So this is the kind of beauty of, of now me being in house is that I've got, I think the only ones left in the office are Rob Simone and I, and I see he's, uh, he's on here listening in and I'm seeing his tweets saying that INVH, uh, INVH, shot the bed um so for the alphabetic uh nomenclature i'm gonna have him come up and, and speak and so that would be india it's not nancy november oh shit victor what is it h so hotel i know that one so here we go we got we got reet rob in the house um uh, where'd you go reet oh, there you go hold on is it working Sorry. See, now I'm yelling across the office. I didn't even have. Hey, guys. Email. What's Here up? We go. Hey, Rob. Welcome. Welcome. Uh, thanks for having me. I, I, by the way, tell me to tell me to shut up if I'm in, interrupting the uh, the macro flow. But um, so. No, it's good. Sometimes we just need to get back, you know, kind of get, get get got a little need a little re, re stock. Uh, yeah. You know? Well, there's plenty to talk about tonight. That's for sure. So um, thanks for the invite, by the way. So uh lots of reads report uh, lots of companies but lots of reads reporting tonight and um invitation homes <clears throat> ticker INVH um i'm going to try not to be like too overly dramatic here but obviously we we advocated for a short of this name back in february it was very 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 controversial at the time um took a lot of heat for it took a lot of got a lot of pushback um my my contention over the summer and heading into the fall was that Things, you know, kind of got worse while the lawsuit was off on the side, like waiting to be dealt with. Well, they they just absolutely shit the bed on their third quarter earnings tonight. I mean, this like in, in no uncertain terms, this is one of the worst prints I've, I've ever seen from a, a quote, quote unquote blue chip REIT. So just to size it up, um, they took the range on they. T- so again, think think about where we are, right? Like we're on, we're sitting here on October twenty sixth. There are <clears throat> essentially two months left in the year. They took the uh, the ranges for same store revenue and NOI growth basically below their prior ranges, so like fully below the low end, and uh, cut their FFO. Um, you know they they had had some hurricane impact, but. Their, their OPEX is accelerating on repairs and maintenance and turnover, like we said. It's, you know, it's up. So their OPEX was up. Let me just give you a number because I'm going through the release here. Their OPEX was up 
7.6% year over year in the third quarter. And just thinking through that, I mean, that's with property taxes only up four. And property taxes accelerate on a lag, um, a lag to HPA, right? So like we haven't even hit the peak uh, real estate and property tax expense growth cycle, which is like in many cases well over half or 60% of, um, of resi OPEX. So that number is going to get worse at the exact same time that the top line is decelerating, which we talked about. And um, look, I'm, I'm at least I, coming into the quarter, I was at least six to seven percent below where the street was for 2023. They're going to take numbers down. I mean, this, this stock is going to get absolutely shit canned, um, if not tomorrow, uh, probably over the next two weeks. Um, this this one's really, really bad. Uh, so anyway, you know, like I'm not really one to spike the football, but we, we took we took a lot of heat on this one. So I'm going to spike it a little bit. Um, right. That's uh Hey Rob, I got a quick question there. Um, <laughs> yeah, is there any gamesmanship yeah, sure. around earnings where they're going to try to couch this year to make twenty three an easier comp? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, maybe I mean, like Prologis kind of did that a little bit, in my opinion. Different subsector, but yeah, you know, may, maybe. But I, I almost think that, like, given the severity of the, you know, the potential downturn here. And the way that, like, I, I personally think OPEX is going to accelerate. I, I don't know if if that's if that's what they're trying to do. I think that's a poor move, right? Like, I don't I don't think that's going to work for them because at this point, you know, numbers were too high coming into the quarter. They need to come down. Um, not really sure what. Like, I, I guess I guess that would be an interesting strategy if they had you know concurrently laid out a twenty three outlook in in conjunction with it. Um, but yeah, I mean, it could it could be a reset lower, and then they come out and they like surprise to the upside. But yeah, I, I don't know. I'm 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 not a big fan. Like like think about it. When I was a Paramount, right? Like I was always scared to death of that three Q print because the last thing you want to do is spook the market with only um, two months left in the year. It, it, it tells people that you literally have no freaking clue how to model your own business, um, and that that usually results in like a loss of confidence. So I I don't know. I, I maybe, but. Not sure. It, it, it wouldn't be what I would do. I don't know if you have a view on it. Yeah, no, 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 that's helpful. Um, I don't really have a view, but I know you mentioned, you know, real estate taxes. A lot of that is a true up in the fourth quarter. So maybe there's a bit of a couch, yeah. couching mechanism where they just get everything out this quarter and next quarter and then provide a slightly better commentary for 23. Could be. Could be. But, but I think you've, you know, I mean, you've hit the nail on the head, right? So. Yeah, it's a good question. Today is a third spike the ball. Yeah, it's a good question. Um, <clears throat> Brian, Brian, you had another question. Yeah, I just had a comment. Um, <clears throat> you know, Rob has had two big calls this year, right? Invitation Homes and MPW, and both of them, he's taken a just a ton of shit uh, on both of them, just beating them up personally and professionally. And this is why I like Hedgeye. It's completely independent. It's his view. It, there's, you know, the, the, the old, I didn't know what old wall was until I joined Hedgeye. Until you see it, you don't really understand or know it. But Rob is new wall and all these jokers that are pushing MPW and invitation homes, you know, that's old wall. And I just want to give a shout out to Rob for, you know, doing your job, but also the thankless job of, you know, getting beat up personally 
making these calls. And, um, you know, I've made a little bit of money on MPW. Um, I didn't follow the invitation homes, although we've had conversations about the lawsuit and I did a deep dive on it. And um, just congrats to you, man. I'm happy for you to on this win. Oh, that, that's really nice, Brian. I appreciate it. But you, you know what? To be fair, like, I, I, I appreciate that. And it's, it's nice to hear that because sometimes it can, it, you know, admittedly, it can wear on you a little bit. So, um, you know, th- thank you for that. But, I, but honestly, like, I, I have to tip my hat to Hedgeye because the reality is, like, if I was working um, in my, first of all, I wouldn't have this role at another bank. But if I was working at, and we're not a bank, obviously, but if I was at a bank, I for sure wouldn't be given the leeway and the flexibility and kind of the, you know, the responsibility of making calls like that. And neither would my colleagues. So um, I guess, you know, absent going, you know, solo, which I don't really want to do, I, I wouldn't really be able to do this without Hedgeye. So I, I owe it to them or we owe it to them is just or, and this firm just as much as anything I do. So, well, congrats, yeah. man. Yeah, no. Uh, and, and Brian, I completely agree. He's certainly uh, taking some lumps. And if you want to learn more, uh, email support at hedgeye.com. Uh, Rob has a, a sector pro product, uh, a reef pro product, and uh, they'll help you out in terms of getting that uh, up and running. If you're interested in learning more about uh, what Rob does. So Rob's got to jump back into kind of modeling stuff like that. So we'll uh, we'll kind of return back to the our back and forth. So Arthur's come up. I know Jimmy's got his hand raised. So Jimmy, um, yeah, why don't you take take it away, man? Yeah, I just have uh, two observations and then a question for you guys. Maybe I'll start with with the question first. You know, we, we're talking about similar sets. Um, have any of you guys been looking at financials and healthcare? Now there's been a you know a, a vicious I don't know if you call it a counter trend bounce maybe they're even above trend they're going to go neutral soon um, I've heard some people talk about how small caps are more heavily weighted towards those two components and you've seen some relative outperformance there um, is this a situation where you're getting later to wait and see are you still you know looking at the, the, the tail duration and and thinking that this is a little juicier spot. Um, certainly those two, I'm not involved in those two sectors, but that's got my eye. Um, I'd also point another similar set is looking at crypto, right? There's just been on a, on a trail trade duration basis. Um, the volatility's died down a little bit. It's above the top end of the range. Looking at things like Bitcoin, I'm still very focused on 23 and 25,000 as better entry points, but I've started shorting some of the equity proxies again. So Again, um, you know, I still see these as kind of counter trend bounces, but clearly there's been some move. I don't know the the volume component, but I'm kind of curious to see how you guys are positioned in in, in that respect. Yes, yeah, so, I mean, from the you know the from the out bucket from the risk range right at the bottom there, and if you're if you're not aware, you know, there's silver REITs. GDX, Pink, and XLU; those remain all bearish trend. Um, I, I think you, you you see those, Jimmy. Um, the question is a bit more about the trade. Uh, I, I don't, you know, I don't until it changes, right? From kind of a bit more of a trend level, I'd consider any of those bounces more of a you know counter trend or counter trade move or counter trend move. Um, again, I mean, healthcare. If you back test it, does t- you know can perform better in a quad four? environment right so again maybe things just are starting to kind of work a little bit better however 
with that said, I mean, you know, Utes certainly are a rates trade, and, and Keith was pretty clear on that RTA going into the close about, you know, basically, I mean, he shorted a, a consumer staple, right? So, you I mean, the consumer staples are typically along as well from a back-tested standpoint in a quad four environment, um, and he's shorting that in, into the close. So I would take that away as, as um, a pretty clear answer from Coach that, that you know, this market's fucked. <laughs> I, I, I don't want to, uh, I, I'm, you know. Sorry, was that an X? Do I get an X from Jenna on there? <laughs> this is after hours, isn't it? You're, after you're, hours, you're good. Right. Uh, no, but I mean, I could be wrong on this, but isn't it like I've noticed some relative strength in, you know, IWM, like the Russell, uh, the last couple of weeks relative to like S&P and Qs. And I mean, maybe we're just, are we at a point with, what's going on with these mega cap tech earnings, like where, you know, they, it, the money has to go somewhere. I don't know. I, I mean, that's a narrative. I, I don't have numbers to back that up, but I'm just like looking at this, like, you know, with Google, Microsoft now, you know, Facebook, um, Mike T would probably know better than me. Right. But it's kind of just, I, I don't want to own any stocks. Uh, that's, you know, that's my stance on it, but I'm just watching kind of, you know, the Russell kind of, perk up the last couple of weeks and anyway so um and then yeah on on the pa side like i'm definitely looking at the bitcoin short with some some futures uh i haven't hit the button on that yet jimmy but uh it's uh it's setting up i think so we'll see yeah G- gavin you know week over week right in terms of the low end of the range on the russell it's 1655 last week on october 19th 1661 today on the 26th you know to me that's a bit of brownie motion. it is obviously a, a higher and low um but not significantly now the top end of that range has gone from 1771 last week to 1807 that's a bit more something to to your point gavin uh you know that that i certainly uh noticed right and highlighted in in the old in the in the old notebook uh however if you kind of go back to um the weekend work on a you know three-month basis this is kind of as of friday's close russell was still down you know minus 5.1 percent on the uh, on a three-month basis and minus 1.1 percent on a one-month basis now that's obviously going to shift on the one-month side of things um and 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 yeah so year-to-date still down minus 22.4 percent um so all those numbers on the trending side you know basically nothing's changed in my humble opinion on that regard but certainly you know and and, and again i i suspect it's probably why um, Keith didn't hit the button on IWM because the signal is a little not quite as weak as say um, the, the triple Qs and and sort of just more of the mega mega cap tech uh, who haven't got it lower from their estimates. Uh, again, there's a lot of narratives that you know, narratives that we can get into, but just from a signal standpoint, um, that would be my inclination. Is why he hasn't come back and, and hit IWM yet. Um, but again, if if this kind of continues, I wouldn't be shocked um given the quad fours on the horizon um that you see iwm on the uh on the short side on in an rta it's sometime quote quote, quote soonish i don't know <laughs> you know <laughs> it's been well, a core the, short like it's been a core short all year long go ahead chris sorry what are the biggest weights in the iwm good question it like have some, avis some... which is car so that yeah. got squeezed higher let me pull it up. Is it going to be energy? It might have some energy. I know it has energy. some healthcare in it. Uh, I'm pulling it up right now. One second. 
Yeah, and I was just bringing it up based on Jimmy's, you know, comment totally. about uh, whatever's in there, and then Chris is kind of hitting on that. So yeah, I mean, I know, I know, we were talking about it back in you know Quad Two of Twenty One. We were looking at it because it was like had a lot of financials and energy yeah. stocks in there, and it was ripping in the first half of the year. Yeah. Um, so in terms of sectors, it's it's a I'm I'm generalizing here. So it's about seventeen percent financials, seventeen percent healthcare. 15% industrials, about 13% uh, infotech, uh, call it a 10, 11% consumer discretionary, and then about seven energy, six real estate, four materials, four consumer staples, three utes, and some comms communication, like two, like 3% communication. So it's primarily financials, healthcare, and industrials. So there you go. It's like its biggest weights, this the like spy and Qs is like all mega cap tech. And then Russell, you yeah. don't have that. So yeah, it's bearish, but maybe it's a little bit less bearish, but still bearish. Yep. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> Way to pin it down there, Kevin. <laughs> awesome. Well, we're coming up on kind of like an hour and 15. Um, why don't I open it up to, Anybody, you know, the the floor, uh, any kind of discussion points that we may have not hit on yet, or if anybody's got anything that they wish to discuss, happy to have them come up and, and speak. I, I see Jared. I don't know if Jared hey, yeah. back. You're back. Know. Awesome, man. Am I back? You were in the middle of a really good kind of like quasi rant. <laughs> yeah, but, yeah uh, they were I was, just I was digging uh, it. You know, there was, there was so much, uh, so many compliments from Keith about this last week and and uh versus the macro show and this this did sound a little macro showish at the beginning so what i was trying to to convey there is that you know there was a lot of talk about daily risk ranges weekly trend signals and not maybe enough in my opinion focusing on the 100 pages plus that steiner and and that whole crew puts together looking down the barrel of four or three more quad fours, you know? So when the market with high volatility moves against us for three days in the macro show Q panics, and then the McGrody uh, notebook review panics, um, you know, maybe take a step back and get away from the bands and the wrist ranges and look, Hey, this is moving against me. And yeah, maybe you, you pause on piling onto your shorts, but you're also not covering and panicking because you got to remember who you're playing against all these other people that are panicking and puking and, and stay with the process. And the process is not your daily and weekly ranges. I mean, it is, but the broader concept here is that we're in the inverse of that quad two environment when people were panicking, when the market was dipping for, for a week or two. And they were, they were, they were thinking that the rally was over and we had another year plus, you know, and now we're looking down the barrel of three more quarters plus of, of everything that we're talking about uh, daily. And Keith is, is trying to beat into our heads here. So that, that was really the overall comment, nothing from a technical standpoint. I think that's a, that's a gong and that's saying bullseye. Uh, yeah, that's great. Very well said, Jared. Very well said. Um, yeah, that's there's so many quad fours on the horizon, and it's uh, things are going to get much worse than before they get better. Yo, Robert, you get a soundboard behind you? I like that. <laughs> no, there's just a gong. There's a random gong in the corner of the office. So, uh, of course, I, I walked course. over there and, and, and hit it. Yeah, yeah I'm, a, I'm old enough. Uh, I'm old enough to know that the gongs while you're talking isn't necessarily always a good thing, but, but maybe it is now. <laughs> 
Yeah. Yeah. Well, the counter feed was definitely lit on both the arena and on Twitter. So it, it is a sign. I even went neutral in my uh, long short of Kenan. You know how much I love my uh, small caps and my permeable uh, position on some of these. Yes. Yes, we do, Jimmy. All right, so let's open it up. Anybody out there got any questions or commentary? I'm trying to catch any, anybody who's commenting on Twitter. Somebody commented that Meta is getting absolutely um, – its teeth kicked in, which is great. See, I've been seeing that on CNBC. They've had like eight different people talking about the same subject while we talk about volatility and pricing and volume and math. Um, there's, a, there's a different way, right? So – um, as we I want to give a, I want to give a quick shout out to Gavin for helping me save some capital there. You know, last time this was a different conversation, but when Meta first started uh, its fall from grace, I was thinking about that long term duration. So it must be a buy today, right? <laughs> yeah. Well, hey, look. At one fifteen. Google and Amazon are now like hundred dollar ish stocks, but they had splits. Facebook just got there on its own. You know. Just, right <laughs> just just through sheer getting you know crushed <laughs> this this pure will of putting up shitty numbers uh <laughs> it is like interesting though right like because when you think about people just like trading with robin hood accounts and stuff that don't do any of this like there is going to come a time where they're going to start to look at that and say like oh wow like you know uh, look at Google. It's like under a hundred bucks a share. You know, it's like, I, I just think it was kind of designed this way. So they start to like look cheap on a dollar per share basis. Hi guys. But, uh, I don't know. Hi, Michael. Welcome. Hi, uh, Meyer, the show, um, big admirer of Keith and your, your work. Uh, and, um, uh, I just think I can't help but think that this might be this sort of divergence of NASDAQ 2000, uh, where the Dow keeps going up and the, you know, the large caps, uh, the FANG that basically, uh, you know, drive uh, the NASDAQ 100 and is comprised of, I believe, 30 percent and has a zero short interest. And that's the thing that starts to go is that NASDAQ goes up and. Dow stays semi buoyant. Thoughts? So, hold on. The, the, what's the argument um, that the Dow's going to outperform? Yeah, no, I think yeah. that's that. That is the argument that let's say the Dow is comprised of a lot of oil stuff and commodity stuff, and I see a divergence developing here. Yeah, I mean, I think it just gets back to asset class, you know, so it's like that that may be true. But then it's like, do you want to own stocks? So, I mean, I get it. If you own Exxon and that's like a big position, well, you've done very well. Um, when does that shift? I don't know, you know, but um, yeah, I mean, I guess I could I could see that argument. But for me still, I'm like, I don't own any stocks, you know, so that's that's where I stand. On oh, that. I don't know about, yeah, I don't know about you guys. I had a. Uh... You know, uh, my run was shorting subprime in 2007. And so, uh, I, you know, as far as I'm concerned, this is 
uh, extraordinarily dangerous market if you look at many different things, including the premiums that go out two years where you can buy options two years out. And it's almost like as if you're buying them today. It's there's a lot of complacency out there, gentlemen. Anyway, thanks for your time. Yeah, no, Michael, I think that's it's it's a good point. I think you know, kind of piggybacks off of a little bit of what Jimmy was saying in terms of the Russell and and whether or not small caps kind of maybe you know get a little you know again you know I'll just stick with like the trend and the trend is down. Um, I, I don't really track the Dow, so don't really have much of a. Uh, comment there other than you know energy xle is is bearish trade and trend or sorry is bullish trade and trend excuse me so the only thing that that, that is and so you know i know there's a decent amount of energy inside of the dow as, as you noted and and other commodity components so if uh you know if gold kind of real rates start to roll over you know that's going to be positive for 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 an asset class like like gold and, and perhaps some other commodities you know silver uh you know could be one of them but um, yeah, so you could see a bit of an, an again to your to your point, a bit of a sideways move in the Dow, and and, and much more of a um, deeper dive or kind of return to kind of twenty nineteen levels, twenty nineteen highs, twenty eighteen highs, whatever you might you might think in terms of the, the Nasdaq. Yeah, so. yeah, we have more of a, on a tail duration. It's uh, it's interesting because. Um... It's happened in other places around the world where I think the Hong Kong index is is at uh, 2017 levels or whatever, or some crazy level. So it's it's it, for some reason Americans believe that it can't happen here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, no. I mean that was one of the biggest takeaways I had over the weekend, Michael. And again, that's kind of it's a great segue. Segue. So thanks for that. Um, and to the, tonight, thanks. you know, tonight we really uh, you know assessed kind of what we were looking at over the weekend, and then kind of how have things pivoted or changed on on you know midweek. And you know, one of the biggest takeaways I had was the the, the divergence between you know call it U.S. FOMO and, and kind of what transpired um, you know week over week or week to date as of Friday uh, or as of the weekend. Versus the rest of the world in terms of you know the, whether it be the FTSE or um, or the CAC you know CAC counts, um, you know it, it, well CAC was up slightly so the DAX you know SS and C the Shanghai Hong Kong Nikkei I mean everything was down on on, on or a lot of those were components were down on the week right so um, you know that that to me was a clear indicator that this was a purely a kind of a U.S. component um, and and you're seeing. It, it's sort of it's definitely holding true you know that same takeaway uh is evident still kind of on, on you know midweek and and the setup the global quad four recession or or kind of uh, uh what's on the horizon here in terms of not only for q4 but q1 and and q2 as the nowcast is dictating you're seeing a, a ton of quad fours and, and reds on the on, on the board in terms of that you know nowcast model from hedge eye and that's uh yeah i mean i think that's that's really what's um, to Jared's point, kind of if you zoom out, I mean that that's what you got to be planning for and and anticipating. Can I just be really patriotic here? Yeah, let's do it. Yeah, with the, um, with the crazy, with all the craziness going on in Ten Downing Street, the FTSE is only down eight percent, whereas you guys with strong and stable leadership. <laughs> are down like I don't know forty percent. <laughs> uh, so so what does that say? Again, yeah, I know. 
I, well, I, we're uh, still at 1929 evaluations. That's the only <laughs> little niggling detail. That's true. That's true. The FTSE did was did stand out to me over the weekend because it's only down like yeah. Again, it's shifted obviously a lot the last couple of days, but as of uh, the weekend, it's only, it was only down like 5.6 percent year to date, which uh, uh, definitely wasn't is an outlier. Yeah. Hey, Trent. Welcome back. Are you still? Uh, are you still? In the train station. Oh, did he drop down? Trend? No, no, I'm here. I'm here. Oh, hey. Was, did you want to comment about the kind of global setup, buddy? Or did, were you just jumping back on? Yes, yes. It's a bit cloudy. I'll, I'll uh, okay. comment in a bit. Yeah, no worries. Sounds good. Hey, Robert. Uh, yeah, Jimmy. Well, we have Gavin here. Hey, Gavin. Um, I wanted to touch upon, I think, two videos you had recently made talking about some of the behavior components. You know, I think um, a while back you mentioned how, um, you know, compared to the end of June, when we started retesting the lows in September, you know, some time had transpired. And in June, it was the end of the world um, if you were going to short you know, 3,600. Uh, now is a slightly different setup. And then I think more recently you talked about this kind of, um, you know, it would take something even more drastic for us to fall further here. Maybe, maybe you can just talk a little bit more about what you were seeing and what you're thinking. And, you know, to the extent that I, I didn't process all of that hundred percent the first time around, talk to, uh, talk to us about that type of mindset or what you're looking at. Yeah, cool. Um, well, I, I mean, I, I don't know. I think I think I've heard Keith say this too. It's like, you know, there's there's really been like two or three like really good spots to set up this year. You know, like, um, and maybe this is going to be another one of those. You know, but um, you know, like this the setup. You know, going into actually going into those June lows for me was kind of, it, it was kind of like a little tougher to read, but obviously that the bear market rally, and I'm just talking about stocks. It's all one trade, but um, you know, in March uh, into April, that one was pretty easy to read. And then the one that we just had in August, which lasted for whatever, six weeks, um, that was really easy to read, especially coming off of those lows. Um, you know, in, in mid June. And, um, I mean, that's what I like to look for. And it, so like, yeah, there's a numbers based component to my process. And then there's this other part where like, I'm just very attentive to watching what people are saying and noticing, um, how people are talking about things and communicating. And, you know, when we saw those, those lows, I think it was June 17th or whenever it was that Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, that was like an end of the world moment where everyone thought this is it. And that's, you, you don't get those kind of inflection points very often. So, um, that was easy to read off of there, I thought, but, um, you know, I, who knows? I, I don't know if, uh, it was interesting this time, like we got back to kind of that general area on the S and P but then essentially we've just kind of had this like high volatility chop um, since the end of September. And then here we are kind of setting up again and, 
you know, you have like uh, the tier one note alerting you to, you know, that you're in now positive gamma. Um, and if you go back and you look, I mean, at that chart that they put in their note today, like what was when did we go positive gamma this year? Well, back in March and back in August. And here we are for a couple of days and we'll see what it is tomorrow. But um, I don't know if I mean, we can yeah. just keep, you know, if anyone else wants to talk about. Guys, I just want to say one thing that just to add one, one, one point is that um, when these companies do miss, they get shot. It's a proof of concept situation here. Meta missed tonight and they're getting taken to the woodshed. So if you guys are right about your thesis of quad four, it won't even matter if the oscillators are positive and everybody's bearish, quote unquote, this market's going down. Michael, it's very uh, X two DA four who's uh, listening in out there. Uh, he he literally just DM me saying apparently there have been very few upticks on Meta after hours straight line down and straight uh, line down, it, yeah, straight line down, and that's it. Uh, and so except Michael, for the sucker really, that covered at one forty. Yeah. These guys miss this market's going a lot lower, and uh, that's the premise. That's the thesis. I mean. Yeah. They can say anything they want, but it's, if it's overvalued, it'll go lower. So, Michael, think what would happen to Apple? Oh, my God. We're the, at the Rubicon right here, fellows. I mean, this is like, uh, this is it. Um, it's amazing that it's all crystallized in this one moment. <laughs> but <laughs> isn't it? I mean, that's, that's what the greatest thing about the market is. It's, 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 all, it's this one moment. If they miss, it's done. And uh, there, there is soft demand on, I think, on 14 plus. And, it'll be, and there we've had a strong dollar, which definitely hurts European sales. And we know what's happening in Europe. So they could miss. And that would be it. Game over. We got to support America, though, right? <laughs> I guess so. So we have to support those Chinese factories, right? That Apple has. That's right. Kwai, <laughs> uh, welcome. Hey, uh, hey, thanks. Yeah, uh, great. Um, if I've weren't, if I've weren't, one thing that I've learned this year, let. Like I am, I am, and I'm not alone. I am the market beta. Like I am the market sucker. What's different now versus March when all of the other market betas and suckers were getting paid their annual bonuses and RSUs and going long Tesla? There's no RSUs coming out now. I mean, we're going to have a bit of a bounce. You know, maybe I can uh, recoup my Amazon and Tesla puts from March, uh, you know, with some Microsoft puts, which I did. Uh, but that's not the game for me now. The game for me is the six-month U.S. Treasury, which I buy weekly. And I'm of the mindset, you know, listening to all these calls and all these Twitter spaces, 
Is it safe enough to hold U.S. Treasuries on margin at fidelity? I mean, how bad can this thing get? So I can be cute with options, but I'm not playing around. I want to be alive uh, on the, on the other side of this, so I can just go along the spy and go back to my real job. Thanks yeah, for having yeah. me out. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, a couple comments. I think Corey, you had your hand up first, and then I'll go to Chad. What's up, fellas? Um, hey, man. Yeah, I guess it's not necessarily more comment on that. It's more just a something I struggle with as uh, uh, knowing where we are um, in the quad four uh, spectrum and with the, uh, the alternate buys that um, for example, like, so we know we have, we think we know, have a good idea of where this is going and things are going lower and so forth. But I, I put the internal pressure on myself. I think sometimes, especially when I'm putting money to work for others and that incrementally, it's just as easy to stay in cash or something that's not moving versus, you know, adding a CTA or adding the, uh, um, what else did we just recently add? Um, you know, a couple of the other things that he's, he's been talking about and, um, and adding this, I struggle with it a little bit, just knowing that if we're adding something and now it's going 2% against you and I know that's not much or whatever, but it's, it's like when you have the alternative of just being in cash, um, you know, I, I don't know how, others kind of deal with that at all or not. Um, but that's, uh, you know, that's just something that I see myself doing. Um, still trying to execute, um, still, still trying to do those things, but just hesitant to put more money at risk when it seems like asset classes across the board just, just are, are going lower. Yeah, Corey, remind me, are, um, are you an IA? I forget. Yeah. You, yeah. Yeah, you run an IA. So do you have any restrictions from a, from a, a number of, um, I guess positions or, or that kind of thing for your clients at all, or can you just be kind of cash to be communicated appropriately? Uh, you can, we, we can pretty much cash and communicate, but there's some uh, uh, levels of which you can't go above on some alternatives and things like that. Right. Okay. Um, and they, you know, some volatility um, adjusted situations, but for the most part, um, it's pretty, pretty wide open. Yeah. Gotcha. So again, uh, and Gavin, I don't know how, how you're doing it for, for your portfolios there at, at, at your RA, but, you know, I think if you kind of look under the hood in terms of some of the things that, that Keith's got in his long book, right, that, that, that he shares daily in terms of the, the, the moves to the, those positions and uh, within the morning shift uh, of the macro pro sub, you know, I would just kind of go underneath the hood of some of those. There's some really um, for the outlook that we have, right? So if you kind of peel things back and, and you know, from an IA standpoint, again, like if you not necessarily touch it less, but just sort of have a little bit of a, longer term full cycle investing kind of uh, horizon, you know, th those, uh, you know, again, and, you know, the quad fours, quad fours um, come to fruition and, and the now cast doesn't shift. Right. So you, you never know that the signal can change. Right. But, um, you know, if you kind of look under the hood on, on some of those, they, they definitely, uh, they've acted well this year. They obviously are bullish trade and trend from a signal standpoint. Um, and, and that's why he's added them. Right. So I think, again, I think it really just depends on, on what your portfolio construction looks like um, and, and that kind of thing. But, but those to me are definitely ones that were on my radar. You know, I think we've talked about PFIX on this call all year long, um, really, right. From both having it be a long at the beginning of the year and then how it lost signal, signal strength over the summer and, and regained some, uh, regained it in August. Right. So, 
you know, that that's definitely one that we've been very much on top of here uh, inside the notebook review. And, and it's, it's proven to be a very, you know, big time out performer and an alpha generator. So again, I think it just really just depends to be perfectly honest, but I'll, um, I'll let Gavin who, who actually deploys it within his RA and handles the portfolio management, maybe expand on that. Yeah, I think it's going to differ, you know, whoever, whatever your book of business is like, I mean, I, I'm learning the ropes of this, but I have some seasoned guys that I work with and um, we, we have free reign at this point where we could hold, you know, really heavy cash, you know, and um, it's okay. And our clients are okay with that. I know some people I've talked to, you know, their clients kind of get kind of defensive, right? They're like, well, why am I paying you this fee if you're not doing anything type of thing? You know, so there's that, that some people have to deal with. So I get that. Um, I think it just comes down to like education and, you know, telling your, your your clients and having a discussion to say, hey, this is where we're at. This is what we're doing. I don't think there's anything wrong with holding a lot of cash. Um, but then you have things coming, you know, from all sides. We've never in the last 10 years, we've never had to really talk about interest rate risk or uh, we, we'd had no yields to really work with. Right. And so now you have the Wall Street Journal, you know, coming out with an article about, um, you know, T-bills. And so you're you're you know, our guys are kind of dealing with that. Um, every day because clients start to ask and they say, well, what, what are we, why are we sitting on all this cash? Like, can't we, we'd be buying short-term T-bills and this and that. So, um, uh, but the way we handle it is we, we do have a lot of cash and we're just right out front, you know, with it and just open, honest and saying, this is what we're doing. This is why we're doing it. And, um, you know, but, uh, certainly man, I, Corey, I, I hear you because it's, I think everyone is probably dealing with that. Who's like running the agile process right now in a wealth management type situation where you have a lot of cash, you know, your clients might start asking questions about it. Is that kind of, is that, yeah. And and it's also what we're talking about. Yeah. Yeah. A little bit. And and it's just, I, I did something similar and felt this way a little bit, kind of some, some other big downturns, especially like 08, where it's like you've done the right things. You're in a lot of cash. You got out of stocks at the right time, um, build up a lot of uh, um, alpha between where the market is and where your client portfolios are. But it's now do you stay there or do you incrementally try and add some things to try and, you know, um, add, you know, to to grow the back a little bit of the losses that you have from some of those things. Um, but then if they incrementally start going against you a little, you know, you, you start to second guess yourself, I guess. And that's kind of where I am a little bit and that we've done a good job. You don't want to make these other moves and have it, you know, go against you and lose some of that alpha that you've built up. And so that's the part I struggle with a little bit in terms of, you know, we add a CTA or the KMLM, um, or, you know, adding more UUP right now as they start to go against you. Um, you know, ultimately we think those are going to be good and that's, we're doing it for the right reasons. I just, just wonder how um, others, you know, think about that or, or how they implement any of that if they do. It, um, if nobody else on the panel has anything uh, to kind of add to that, I'll uh, pass it over to Chad. Hey guys, can you hear me? Welcome, absolutely. Yeah, thank you. Welcome. Uh, All right, thanks. thanks I just uh, randomly caught. Yeah, randomly caught the spaces tonight. Uh, I am a hedge subscriber. Awesome. I'm more of a, a a credit guy and kind of a bottoms up uh, fundamental guy, but what you guys yeah, do still helps me I, uh, a lot. We, 
I'm not, um, go ahead. One second, Chad. Sorry, Gavin. Can uh, yeah, follow up in just a second. Chad, floor's yours, bud. Yep. And uh, so there's there, there's that, and thanks for all your hard work you guys have done this year. Made some great calls. Um, sorry, I have one question. Then it's the points, and uh, sorry if any of it's redundant. I've been uh, listening, but uh, I mean, honestly, I, I can't help but like staring at the, the train wreck of these uh, mega casts have been taken out to the woodshed. It's like body bag that it's like uh, I can't turn my eyes away, so I keep uh, checking my phone, and, like staring at it, and uh, and wonder. Um, not that it wasn't to be expected. So uh, my <clears throat> so first my my being a, more of a credit guy in the high yield side. So just. Uh, making one point as I sort of look as this uh, earnings season evolves a little more that a lot of the high yield names um, report later and, you know, they're not, you know, half the high yield market now isn't uh, more if you count the loan market doesn't report uh, publicly because they fought their 144A securities. So like that's still coming down the pipe. Um, you know, even after we get through a lot of the equity market, uh, how that even if it's bad and how that might roll into the market, I don't know. But I mean, we're talking about credit as things get shakier and, you know, high yield really hasn't moved much um, on a spread basis. So uh, it's really, really been all been right. So there's, there's that point. And my question is, mm -hmm. you guys have been riding uh, HYG and J and K down um, when you're, when you're um, managing that position and that call, do you guys solely rely on uh, you know, the trend and the, the risk ranges, or do you have some sort of a fundamental idea where you think it could go as well? That's my question. Thanks. So I can take the second part instead of the first one, uh, the JNK and FYD trades, uh, because I've been structuring those with, uh, uh, in a timely fashion. To take trend. Unfortunately, your audio is not great, buddy. It's really hard to hear you. I'm really sorry. Yeah, I'll get a yeah. silent spot. And, uh, okay. Yeah, yeah. Come back in. Perfect. Um, I know, Gavin, you, I think you've been trading HYG pretty pretty consistently this year. Um, personally, I, I, I Chad, I've, I've just been following the, the risk ranges, right, in terms of when to when to add more and, and when to when to cover some right or when, when to add some and when to cover some um and then yeah so that's kind of been you know it's been a i'd have to look in terms of like uh, act that the actual when it's been in the etf pro i feel like it's been in the, the etf pro product for uh like a year I, I was actually surprised to see ewi on monday that it goes all the way back to uh to october to september 28th of 21 um i feel like junker and hyg has been has been in there since probably at least december so you know it's obviously been on our radar on the on the short side for for quite a while especially with the you know quad four environments that that we we saw coming in 2022 so yeah chad i mean i, I keep it uh, and gavin i suspect is going to have a similar answer but i keep it pretty simple and try to diminish noise and and it's not really thought because I think a lot, right? And I and I put a lot of effort in, in kind of knowing what's happening, but it's it's less about the why or kind of like where we should go, um, and more about kind of just the risk managing the uh, kind of what's in front of me or what the what the the market is telling me that I should be considering. Is it is better, Rob? Yes, yeah, so much better, trend. Yeah. Okay. Thank you. So I was uh, about to say that as the cycle progresses and as we get more and more indications that the cowbell won't be there, 
the more JNK gets suppressed, uh, the rallies tend to come in from yield-hungry portfolios who want to jump in and say, oh, I got that deal. And usually you want to probably avoid JNK towards the first of the month. Keep in mind, JNK as an ETF gives you a dividend at the first of the month. Typically, people pressing shorts tend to shy away from trying to give dividends. So from standpoint of, and you can backtest this also, usually positions initiated right after first to fourth of the month uh, tend to give us slightly better results and of course incrementally. Uh, eventually where it goes, um, you know, if you were to put a gun to my head, I would say I think we should get a 75 to 82 sort of range on JNK. But can it go much lower? Yes. Because goes back to a few, cred- a few Twitter spaces ago, I had discussed about this concept of dealers just pulling away the bid. We might also end up one day seeing JNK having no bid or a super low bid where uh, the bid and the ask are $2 wide, right? It could happen. I'm not saying it's about to happen, but it could happen. And if you remember March 2020, if you have data of that time, right, to look at the bid as spread, take a look at it. Bid as spread on fairly liquid names was also super wide. So could it happen to JNK again? I mean, in all seriousness, uh, in the true credit market, these securities actually have super wide bid as spread. I've seen in some cases of junk bonds where the bid is at 70 and the ask is at 78, right? So when does that translate into a more liquid name like ET, uh, the JNK ETF, which holds uh, hundreds of these securities? It's just a matter of time. Uh, but the fair market value tends to keep uh, getting wider and wider on the CTF. Now, turning on to HYG, HYG tends to have uh, relatively slightly more uh, amount of liquidity, even during times of distress. So I'm not uh, that focused on going short on HYG, although sometimes it does help. But uh, factor-wise, keep in mind, whether you're shorting JNK, whether you're shorting HYG, the factor exposure is the same. So when you're going short on them, wait for the uh, turn to happen, especially when they're jumping up every day. Uh, even if you miss the first down day or first two down days, the subsequent two or three down days or five down days that you get tend to give you much more juice, uh, especially if you lever it up to puts or put verticals. For example, when JNK was hitting 96, I was trying to build this position of 95, 90 put verticals. They're costing just like around a dollar each. And then the payoff was almost five bucks by the time I held it to expiry. So something like that might be helpful. Um, so that would be my input on JNK and HYG. Yeah, th- thanks for that. This is just to toss in my basic math. Um, the way I look at it is if you look at the, if you go to the high yield index, um, if you guys have Bloomberg, I think you do, and you have access to um, the Bloomberg's high yield index, it, it will actually give you uh, coupon convexity and, and modified duration numbers for it. And so you can sort of come up with an imputation of you know, where you think spreads go and where you think underlying treasuries go at, at, at peak spreads because you know, 
most likely you're going to be somewhere closer to trough um, treasury yields if you know we get to quote unquote Fed pivot and then the, the curve collapse, et cetera. Um, and the way it's pricing to me now, and would love to get more feedback on this. I'm looking at it, um, and it makes sense. Is it, it? It almost looks like it's pricing in about a cap of you know, between seven and maybe the 900 on um, peak spread or trough spread, where you get on this, and then if you kind of throw in uh, a collapse in the underlying treasury or five year underneath that, then you almost get to you know over that time period, whenever it happens, I mean, you're still almost net up. And so, and I think a lot of it has to do with, I mean, the high yield market just was so brainwashed when, uh, you know, Powell and they stepped in, even though they didn't buy a lot, but they, you know, they're in the market backstopping uh, high yield credit. And so I, and that's roughly where spreads went in 2020. And so I think that the market's just stuck on that number. And if you look back historically um, and you get into a real bear market, you know, like we're we're going through now, it's not uncommon for spreads to be, you know, not eight or nine hundred, but more you know, twelve to fifteen hundred. And so, if you kind of do that and assume that, you know, cap it with uh, somewhat conservative, like underlying treasury is probably going to rally a lot um, to help offset that, but you still get you down to what I'm getting news anywhere from thirty to fifty percent, just depending on how bad this actually gets on principle. And then, you know, maybe you get Another, if you just run it over a 12-month period, you are clipping in, you know, another positive 6%. But still, I guess, uh, you know, where I'm at is there's a long way to go um, on HYG. Uh, I've actually been riding that more just because it's been a little more stable. I mean, other shorts have been uh, higher beta and a little harder harder to saddle up and ride. So that's kind of where I'm at. Um, and uh, if you guys got any more feedback on that, I'd love to hear it. Otherwise, I'll shut up and move along. Thanks. So I mean, it all made sense to me, Chad, but I don't really. Yeah, go ahead, Trent. Saying, Chad, you, so you were suggesting about. Trent, you keep muting and unmuting. So, um, Chad, no, I, I don't really have much more to add. Um, but that, that's good. In, that's great insight, to be honest. Uh, I hadn't really thought about in that regard, and that it, we are kind of at similar levels to 2020. Um, I just kind of pulled back certainly a, a chart on HYG, and you know, going back to the Great Financial Crisis of 08, 09. You know, there's there's still uh, you know about a call it ten ten dollar downside to just those lows, and you know, just to, to generalize, right? Um, and there's you know why could we again if this is as bad as it is as, as we think in terms of multiple quad fours and and the deep earnings you know profit recession et cetera et cetera um then why uh you know why couldn't you get back to those levels but uh, but again i i don't really again i i really as i've mentioned i i i, I kind of keep it simple uh, not not kind of i definitely keep it simple in terms of just um following the math and the data and, and the signal from uh from from keith from hedge uh, Rob, can you hear me now better? Yes, yes. Yeah, I was saying that, uh, so Chad, from your analysis, right, uh, what, what is your max yield to worst that comes out? And have you, have you seen whether that's uh, actually going to stick? The reason being, I think 50% losses on principle 
wouldn't be i mean wouldn't that be like super steep and prior to that itself the fed steps in in general have you done some sensitivity analysis chad Oops, sorry can you hear me yes now yeah, we can i mean i mean 50% the way i was going to running it and this would i mean that would get you to closer to like 2000 on on like peak spread um but i could send you actually I'll, i don't know how to do it in nas but i i did i just threw up some numbers earlier where you just ran a sensitivity analysis and you could just run um like a matrix of is spread because you have a given current modified duration and convexity on the market um that you can run whatever you think your spread is going to go to but you also have to cross reference that with you know treasuries cuz your treasuries presumably going to rally underneath that which will help mitigate a portion of the spread widening uh but if you kind of toss those numbers together and i think i can't remember off the top of my head like uh you know look at the matrix you know the, the down 50% was in the you know the bottom right corner and like the 30% was you know from the top left so that was like a range of you know 1200 to 2000 um on spread which you know if we're going to get pat into a real recession um you know, that's in the range and it just depends on you know how systemic some of these you know, things that uh you tend to pop up um whether you want to call it things that break or otherwise um come through but that's still you know for me I'm looking at okay I get top left corner um 30% downside in the high yield market if we get close to where I think we could go um then you know that's 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 make me feel pretty good about riding this uh HYG um even through uh, upside volatility here got it so chat have dm'd you you know you could message me now um when or you get a chance so we can discuss more about it good deal thanks guys yeah absolutely no thanks for jumping up chat appreciate it it's a great insight into kind of the, the credit market we uh we've got muni guy for for the for the muni side and, and so chat you're you're welcome anytime my man to uh to kind of uh, give us a little gl- glimpse into what you're seeing on on your side of things credit certainly is typically a lot smarter than equities so um awesome well we're coming up on on a 2 hour mark so we may um so i think we're going to kind of wrap up that here in the uh in the tweet nest i just want to kind of give um uh a little like hedge i shout out we we sold out dallas the dallas regional which is amazing uh so that's been that's sold out that's on november 10th i believe um it's like two thursdays from now and then uh, but we did officially announce so i didn't uh, dox myself of not not canceled um Miami was officially live it just hadn't really been uh you know properly announced um but that is uh that is out there i know the the tickets are kind of going very quickly and so that's on January 24th i think it's like 24th 23rd um yeah the 20 i think it's the 20 24th yep so January 24th down in Miami it's going to be our next uh, regional event going to be a lot of fun so um again it's going pretty quickly i know uh macro uh wealth elf excuse me is kind of you know some folks coming in from the UK Chris you had mentioned that maybe you know you might come in with your family so uh there's going to be i think a lot of interest to that Miami one so if you're you're interested and you want to kind of come join and uh you know listen in from all the sort of sector heads like uh Reet Rob and 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 um, all the others or you saw heard Reet Rob tonight um but yeah that's it's going to be a gr- another great event so looking forward to that one and obviously if you're if you're new and and to kind of everything we talked about this evening um you know you can uh 
follow my profile. You can send any inquiries to uh, support at hedgeye.com or just visit the hedgeye.com website. Uh, and you can kind of learn more about the research and stuff like that that we're doing. So it's uh, it's been another great conversation this evening. Thank you to all the speakers that came up. Um, phenomenal conversation, phenomenal insight. So Gavin, Chris, Trent, Jimmy, Chad, uh, guy, uh, Michael, uh, the list goes on and on. So appreciate it. This uh, certainly wouldn't be the same without Tejai Nation. And I'm very, very grateful that uh, that I get to be the conduit for, for everyone. So it's uh, it's pretty amazing. So you'll see me see me in that chair in the morning uh, on the macro show. I'll be taking just, diligent notes. Yep, go ahead. Just quick, just quickly, Rob. Um, oh yeah, the UK meetup. It's not yeah, a yeah. it's not it's not a ticketed event. It's a user event, but we've had a lot of support from Hedgeye. We've got a meeting in London on the sixth of November, um, which Andrew Freeman, so Freebirds flying over to come and meet us. We've got um, there's thirty people coming at the minute. Like I said, it's a free event, Sunday the sixth of November. Yes, so just, I'm so, um, I just apologize hit me up I, and no, 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 it's cool. Uh, yes, yeah, so you can either you know tweet at you, great Chris. I'll um, we can uh, we can resend out that, yeah, yeah. that I'll, form I'll, too, I'll, Chris. I'll if, you, if you wanted to yeah. resend that form, yeah, yeah, that'd be great. So, um, that's right. So there's a UK event on November sixth. It's uh, do, do you have a time pinned down yet? Yeah, twelve midday, so 12, 12, so, 12 to five. Okay, awesome. Yeah, it's going to be great. So that's again not a not a hedge regional event, but certainly a user led. Chris uh, Chris Chris is organizing it. So I think uh, yeah. So if you're in and around the kind of London area or want to make a day trip up there uh, for Sunday, November six, highly encourage it. I think it's going to be a really great convo. So again, thank you everyone for joining us, and we'll see you next week. And good luck out there. Don't forget to check out Hedgeye.com to get more actionable investing insights from our team of more than 40 research analysts. And check us out on Twitter at our handle, at Hedgeye. This presentation is informational only. None of the information contained herein constitutes an offer to sell or a solicitation of an offer to buy any security or investment vehicle, nor does it constitute investment recommendation or legal tax accounting or investment advice by Hedgeye or any of its employees, officers, agents, or guests. This information is presented without regard for individual investment preferences or risk parameters and is general, non-tailored, non-specific information. This content is based on information from sources believed to be reliable. Hedge is not responsible for errors, inaccuracies, or omissions of information. The opinions and conclusions contained in this report are those of the individual expressing those opinions and conclusions and are intended solely for the use of Hedge subscribers and the authorized recipients of the contents. All investments entail a certain degree of risk, and financial instrument prices can fluctuate based on several factors, including those not considered in the preparation of the content. Consult your financial professional before investing. The information contained herein is protected by United States and foreign copyright laws and is intended solely for the use of its authorized recipient. Access must be provided directly by Hedge Redistribution or republication is strictly prohibited. For more detail, please refer to the terms of service at hedgeye.com slash terms of service.